Hello and welcome to the Defined Engagement Bookcast. My name is Doug J. Fine. Today, again, we're going to be talking to Devin Halliday, the author of Belonging Factor, How Great Brands and Great Leaders Inspire Loyalty, Build Community, and Grow Profits. Today, we'll be discussing Chapter 5, The Belonging Factor Explained. Devin Halliday, you are very welcome back, and I look forward to this discussion with you, and I hope you all enjoy this show. Thank you. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. I am Doug Fine, and I am down in Augusta, Georgia, and I have Devin Halliday up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with me today, and we're discussing today chapter six, five of The Belonging Factor, uh, how great brands and great leaders inspire loyalty, build community, and grow profits. The Belonging Factor. Devin, this chapter is entitled... The Belonging Factor, explained. It is, yes. So, so you kind of get to the crux of, uh, of this, of the book and what it really means. And uh, so there's a lot of detail in it. So I, I know you're not going to cover a lot of that today, but maybe the high points of, of yeah. the chapter and, and talk about those five things, those characteristics of, of the Belonging Factor. But would you mind if I read a quote to you from uh, one, of the, one of the characteristics of Belonging? Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, uh, and this is the defined roles and behaviors uh, uh, characteristic of belonging, and it's about value alignment. And you have a gentleman that I know you're, uh, you know personally, his name is Bobby Herrera, and he's the CEO of Populous Group, and uh, maybe we'll hear a little bit more about them. But here's what Bobby says, and you quote him, over-communicate exactly how you expect everyone who is part of the culture to behave. Encourage your leaders to be unwavering in their demands about the company principles. So this dude, uh, he got it, you know, he knows. For some reason it has worked that he, you know, it, it's, it's inculcating and having people know, you know, it's practically breathing, you cannot separate uh, what you do every day from what you know and have heard about the values of the organization. And that's a rare thing because you said earlier in, in an earlier talk, you know, a lot of people put their values on the wall and then just walk away and do everything opposite. So this Bobby Herrera, he's onto something because it's not a one-shot deal. We know when we're trying to develop culture or change it or uh, enhance it, that it's got to, um, you know, it's it's got to it's got to be lived, and it's got to people need reminders and refreshers, and and people need to talk about it in their own interpretation of the values to make it happen. So I don't want to steal your thunder, but that was a great quote. What 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 do you want to say about chapter five? You're welcome to so, fire so me, away. Yeah. So chapter five, the belonging factor explained is it. You were right. It is the meat of the those principles and characteristics that. Um, could, great organizations and great leaders demonstrate mm -hmm. routinely to deliver these outcomes, right? So th this, is, this is very much getting into the how. Mm -hmm. But I, I work really hard to try and just connect dots for you as the reader, rather than be very prescriptive about each step to go down. Now, there are some great tools. Once you've bought the book, you can go to the website links in the book, mm -hmm. and you can 
get all these amazing free digital tools to help you through those step-by-step -step elements. Um, but it's, it, I felt it was very important to ensure that I don't know each reader and their situation and their, their dynamic, but I do know those principles after studying them very closely and very carefully that lead to the characteristics of a great organization and a great leader. And that's what chapter five is really all about. Bobby Herrera happens to be one of those men. Mm -hmm. He is very humble and he will tell you himself that, <laughs> that he, he's working every day to aspire to be the things that, um, that are written in this chapter. And I would tell you that the reason he is the leader he is, is because he's consciously working every day at these types of elements. And so Bobby, he's, he, he actually was raised uh, the son of uh, immigrant farm workers. He was uh, kind of nomadic as a teenager, uh, mm -hmm. all of mm -hmm. his parents around to wherever crops needed picked. Wow. And that's how things worked. Uh, so think about what that looked like growing up with no money, a completely different um, view on the world and life than most of us have because of not really having roots in a place and a place to really call home. Uh, his father's home was Mexico and his father vowed that his children would never have to try to do the things that he did to build a life. And so that was a foundational element for Bobby. And he writes a lot about his stories in his book called The Gift of Struggle. And it's a book that everybody should really check out, The Gift of Struggle. It's a, a lessons that he learned from his struggle that he's applied into his life and what those outcomes have been as a result of applying them the right way. Cool. And one of the things over many conversations that he and I have had that really stood out to me is this idea that no matter what you come up with, no matter what you decide as a leader, you have to over communicate it regularly, explicitly, clearly, and you have to model it. That's, by the way, the most effective form of communicating it, right, is to live it. Uh, we never want any of our people to say, oh yeah, this you know, captain, do what I say, not, not, what, not what I right. do. And, um, and by the way, people tend to emulate leaders mm -hmm. or, or other people that they admire, that they respect. Yeah. And the same way that I wrote in an earlier chapter, that my very first leadership role, I emulated leaders that I didn't respect and didn't admire um, because they were achieving career goals that I wanted to achieve. Um, but I learned that it didn't align with my values and it sucked and it didn't get the outcomes I wanted. So- And people hated you. Yeah, that, yes, they did. <laughs> they, yes, they did. And, uh, and, but fortunately they didn't hate me more than they liked themselves, the job, and what we could accomplish together because they were willing to talk to me and I was willing to listen. Absolutely, man. I did so, know, I was being facetious about it. Yeah, no, that, no, but, but it's they, true. They, they, they respected you enough to say, come right. on, Devin, we, we need to tell you how you're choking here. Yes. And, and, and you know, and, and in love. I'm sure they, they were just like, they, they wanted to see they they liked what they anyway. We don't need to go there, but you 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 have go back a, and listen to I think it's chapter two. Yeah, yeah. you had an open mind. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um. So so anyway, so th th this element to me um, was really foundational because clearly one of the most important principles, if you are going to create an environment where there's alignment in values and behaviors, there's alignment in a person's interests their purpose and their work product there's alignment in a customer's decision to buy from your brand mm -hmm. 
to do that, you have to very clearly define what success looks like, what behaviors are going to look like, what it means to be part of this group. So one of the biggest recommendations that I have always given when I go do the work as it relates to the belonging factor with companies is to examine what are your value priorities and, and statements. Mm -hmm. What do you say to your employees, to your customers and to yourselves that you are as an organization? And most of the time employees and even senior leaders don't even know it. They have a vague idea, maybe. Um, whoever wrote it tends to know it. The marketing people tend to know it because, especially the, the internal PR folks tend to know it because they put out a lot of propaganda. Um, we'll call it that because that's kind of what it is. It's not backed up by anything. Uh, however, the second you follow that up with, okay, cool. So let's look at your sales department. Now let's look at your sales leaders, your VPs and your directors. What are the behaviors that they should be demonstrating that align with this value and this value and this value? And then what about your, you know, mid-level managers, your, you know, your regionals, districts, your frontline managers, your frontline employees, and there's no answer. Right. So, so that means that, A, we're not communicating. We're not defining truly. We're not communicating. We're not modeling. So we're missing on all these opportunities for us to actually live this thing that we said was important. So what does that go back to? Either, A, it wasn't really important. We just had to do it because it, it was a... Everybody else was doing yeah, it. Though. It was a line item that our, our board said they wanted us to get done. <laughs> right? Uh, number one. Or number two... They're the right things, which just don't have any priority on it because it's not on a uh, it's not on a, a, a Q10 or K10. It's not on a quarterly sheet uh, that we have to to read out to the board or to the public or to our investors. So it becomes diminished in it in the value that it actually offers, um, and it even becomes even more diminished when there's ambiguity and lack of clarity about what it means to live these things. Uh, the company I worked for for almost two decades had what we called a credo. Uh, one mm -hmm. of the things I thought was really important was um, every meeting that I had, we read the credo. Really? Thought, yeah, absolutely. Um, nine paragraphs. And um, we read the credo at the start of every meeting and we would do credo shares. We would talk about um, things that we've experienced, whether somebody in the room or somebody outside of the room or something we observed with a customer or with a vendor or a supplier or a leader that demonstrated a specific element of the credo. Um, kind of the gratitude, mostly recognition, but a little yeah. bit of gratitude in there as well. Um, I felt that that was an important way to ensure that this stayed relevant and important for us. And then in each one-on-one, -on -one, we would talk about what it looked like um, to live certain elements of this and what things we were doing that didn't align. And by the way, it wasn't a one-way conversation. It always was um, two-way. And it didn't have to wait for one-on-ones. My employees would call me out right on the spot if they needed to. Uh, and keep in mind, I'm leading leaders. So sometimes they could be pretty direct and, and pretty harsh. Uh, but man, really good stuff. So when you talk about um, you know Bobby laying that out for me, it resonated so, so yeah. well for me because it was something that that while I knew it was important and I did in certain scenarios, I didn't realize the gap and in how infrequently it was done on a broader scale until I really started looking into this. So the, there's four other elements that I think we should just really, sure. really touch on if sure. we could. So, so defining the roles and the behaviors is one, building intellectual diversity. So not just 
what your people look like, um, what your people sound like, but what they can bring to the table when you're building a team. And um, I like to say it this way. Um, I walked in and, and started talking to an organization who said, okay, well, you know, we've, we've got two female and we've got three minority um, people on our senior leadership team of eight, right? So cool. So five of eight ticked diversity boxes. I think one was a veteran, uh, white male, but still a veteran. And so um, I said, okay, well, yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. What does that mean though? What, 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 is, what do you get as a result of that? And I started looking at the CVs, at the resumes of these people. And we're, we're talking like Ivy League schools, all of them. Um, they're MBAs all done at similar schools, Georgetown MBAs from two or three um, people. Uh -huh. And I'm going, okay, so not that everybody who goes to the same school thinks the same way. Sure. But what real diversity of thought and experience are you bringing in to this senior leadership team when you have people who've all kind of gone through this um, upper crust um, you know, schooling, Ivy League schooling and process and been taught in a similar way to think in a similar way to assess mm -hmm. uh, the dynamics and, and synthesize information in a similar way. Yes, they're going to do it they're differently, but they all have a similar backbone. And so what was really interesting is then they started to examine different pieces of recommendations that they would be getting. And what, what came, I think, was a, a realization that, yeah, this is kind of homogenized. This is this is a little just um, kind of you know plain. In spite um, of the uh, difference in ethnicities and right because gender, because the folks experienced very similar life circumstances right. for the majority of their life, they experienced very similar career um, progression and trajectories, and certainly people who have different skin color, different gender, experienced things in public in different ways. No doubt about it. Um, however it was still way too similar to, to say, hey, we're adding value because of our diversity. Right. And that's what diversity is really all about, right? Is, is what value do you bring? How do you enhance um, that rising tide, right? How do you lift all the boats? Because of this diversity and it's through the inclusiveness of that diversity. Um, so then I, I get into talking about the last three factors. Sure. Um, model what's expected. And this is super, super important. And it breaks down into, I think, five subcategories that are really important. It sounds simple. And if you're listening to this or watching this, you're going, oh, great, this is a, you know, some garbage. No, 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 Model what's expected is, it, it, it's, it gets into some good stuff. Um, obviously, you have to make sure that you empower others. And this mm -hmm. is about being a leader who looks at people not processes and systems and outcomes. I just shared an example uh, previously about you know, a, a time where that didn't happen for me and my team was able to bring me back into that in a meeting in a really effective way by sharing a gratitude. So right. go back and listen to chapter four, watch chapter four. Yeah, uh, good story and, there. And then the last one, fostering collaboration. And this couldn't be um, possible without those others. And that's why right. I say it's kind of the last one because it requires people to trust you, the direction you're taking them. It requires them to trust you even when their work dynamic changes and they're now working out of their home office with their kid who's trying to homeschool and their dogs who are barking and all of those other things that are going on in our worlds right now where they have to trust that, my goodness, this people, this person is gonna help me achieve what I need to. And so 
um, that collaboration is so important. This is the part that you don't become reliant on your leader to direct you, but as, a, as an individual, you become a person who uh, is empowered to achieve whatever it is that you need to achieve through all the resources you have. You don't see diversity as a threat or diversity as a, d a divisive thing in some way. You see it as an opportunity to learn. You don't see um, your, um, your leader giving recognition and gratitude to somebody else as a threat to you. Right. You see, you see that as a leader who inspires and is aware of the people who work for them and what they're doing. And you go, you take solace in knowing that your leader's probably seeing that about you as well. Yeah. You know, so those are all the things that, that come as a result of, of these elements here that drive so deeply into that sense of belonging. That is the magic sauce mm -hmm. that brings out all of the, the, the stuff that you're trying to get from employees when you talk about engagement and when you talk about productivity and when you look at your productivity per headcount and all these other things that, that we measure in business, they're all metrics. But as a leader, if you are trying to lead by one of those metrics, we, we know you're not going to hit your metrics, Doug, if you're just looking at it, right? Right. What we do know is if you're looking at the people that deliver those metrics and you're creating an environment through these these characteristics that engender that sense of belonging people are going to be loyal to the themselves their values the alignment of those values the purpose they deliver and the outcomes that give you as a leader and as a brand and the same works for customers the same works for customers you do these same five characteristics as an organization so well internally it reflects externally and yeah. and your your market potential grows so significantly Hey, I want to, before we close out, Devin, you know, this concept of micromanaging, we're famous for saying it. And, uh, you know, if I do leadership development, you know, what do you hate in a manager? Well, they might, they, they micromanage us. You know, we, we don't ever want to do that. But a lot of people do. And you just say uh, something really profound. I think you just say micromanaging like imperils belonging. It, it is actually like a threat. So, and I, does, does micromanaging come up when you're talking about empowering others? Like it's sure. the opposite of empowering others is micromanaging. Say a couple of things about micromanaging from your viewpoint and how, how uh, really destructive it is. Yeah, so, um, you know, the, a, a lot has been said on this topic already that I don't know sure. if I'm gonna be able to add something new to, but in my words, micromanaging is a sign of a leader who does not have a firm grasp of what's happening with their people, what's happening with the systems or tools or processes that, that their people use. Um, or, or it's, um, it's ind indicative of a leader who gained their success through their own individual efforts in this thing. And so they wanna be very prescriptive to others to try to do it their exact way that they did it. Mm -hmm. Because again, they don't have a grasp of people. Mm -hmm. People are different and thrive and excel in different ways. Right. So um, there's also, I think, a one last factor of micromanaging, and it's driven by fear. And that fear is usually they're getting a lot of pressure. They don't necessarily know how well how to lead people, not because they're a bad human. They just maybe don't know very well, and they haven't used the belonging factor uh, to be able to do it. And so that fear drives them to just go micromanage outcomes, tasks, dates, completions, urgency, et cetera. So it is the, it is, if you, if you were gonna describe, so 
Superman. What is the one thing that kills him? Kryptonite. Kryptonite. Everybody knows that, right? So micromanaging is the kryptonite mm-hmm. to, to a sense of belonging to an empowered and engaged workforce. It takes it, your energy away. Huh? It sucks all of the air out of people. Mm-hmm. It creates distraction. It, it creates uh, what is called the grapevine leadership, right? Those, those people who, it's that under the surface, it's the leaders um, within your group of dissent um, that are working for you. So they start to just chatter back and forth and texting or calling each other, grumbling, um, which is taking away productivity. It's also taking away their creativity, their mm-hmm. interest, um, all, all of those other things. So for anybody who finds themselves in a, a position where they're micromanaging, to know that it's likely not because you're a bad human and likely not because you can't be a great manager, but more likely because you're missing one of those elements on the factor that you go back and you go, Ooh, which gear is it? Which, which gear right now am I, am I struggling with? Oh, I'm the, the whole part where I'm modeling what's expected. So I'm not doing really deep introspection to understand for me, what's a value and what's important. Am I doing those things? That's where I got to go because man, I don't want to be a micromanager and I'm not usually one, right? It might be that, or it could be on uh, foster collaboration, right? So it just, it, it, yeah. it, but if you know exactly what your system that you want to do is, which is, I would opine that it's the belonging factor and it's the five characteristics there, then you can go back and you can just figure out where it's broken and you can go fix micromanagement. But if you don't forget it, you're done. You, just hang yeah. it up. Your, your team is not going to deliver for you consistently over time. You may get a few burst results, but you will, no. lose, you will lose your best people. You'll keep your worst and your outcomes will move further and further away from what you're trying to achieve. Right. Hey, Devin, we covered chapter five. It's a rich <laughs> chapter. It's, it's meaty. It's the meatiest chapter in this book. And the book is, again, Belonging Factor, How Great Brands and Great Leaders Inspire Loyalty build community and grow profits so devin we'll be we'll be back together soon for chapter six and i want to thank you for your time again today and uh have a great rest of your day and we'll see you when we meet again great thanks doug thank you i'm so glad that you came to this defined engagement bookcast next time we're going to be discussing chapter six of belonging factor it's called a case for belonging in the workplace you can find other webcasts and podcasts and bookcasts at this address please go there a lot of good conversations that happen there and finally thank you again for joining me and i'll see you again next week again This is the Defined Engagement Bookcast with Doug Fine. Take it easy and enjoy your week.